What up, everybody? This is Curly Flapoyawa, a.k.a. the Hardcore Archaeologist, and we are broadcasting once again from Kes Studios in downtown Albuquerque. Joining me tonight is my friend and fellow skeptic, Benjamin Radford. Ben Radford is deputy editor of Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine and a research fellow with the nonprofit educational organization, the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. His colleagues there include Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, name dropper. He has written thousands of articles on a wide variety of topics, including urban legends, mysterious phenomena, critical thinking, and media literacy. He is author, co-author, or contributor to over 20 books and has won awards for his books, films, and podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Ben Radford. Hey, here I am, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. It's hey. good to see you. It's you too, man. You know, we've need, we've known each other for a long ass time. We have. I can't remember the exact first time that we we met, but it's been like at least eight years. It's it's been maybe a while. ten. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a long time. I did I did one of your uh, I did uh, I took one of your stuntman courses. That's right. Damn near killed me, man. I'm not I'm not too proud <laughs> to say it, but I was like, shit, man. I did it, and then I'm just like, I was not feeling well. I'm like, I'm ibuprofen. I'm taking a hot bath. And I'm like, man, he does this all the time. Like, I, and like, I'm I'm not like you know, I'm not in bad shape, but man, a hardcore. So I get and and you know, the thing is, like, I've always I've always totally respected like stuntmen, and and I always wanted to be a stuntman until I realized just how hard it was. It can hurt. And, it, it, and just I just I have nothing but love and respect for the, oh, the profession. Cool. So likewise, sir, I have a, a great deal of respect for what you do. I'm a big fan of the magazine. Um. You know, uh, that and uh, Skeptic are two of my favorite magazines. Uh, I keep wanting, I want to write for Skeptical Inquirer. I just don't ever seem to have the time to to get something ready for it. But hey, man, send me something. I'll be happy to look at it. We we love your stuff. There's a lot of a lot of ideas floating around in in my head. So you just got back from Peru. No, I was actually in Peru uh, a while ago. I actually got back from the Caribbean. I was, oh, okay. I was doing a, a long, um, uh, uh, I was basically the guest speaker on a Caribbean cruise. I went to a couple different islands, did a couple investigations there. Uh, but I was in, I was in Peru uh, a few years back looking into uh, the Nazca lines. Actually, I was there for a skeptical conference. Ah, well, was the was the Nazca Lions part of the uh, the conference? Was it was like not. I was I was gone. You know, I, I've traveled to Latin America pretty pretty often. Um, it's one of my favorite places because I, I I speak Spanish. Not not great, but certainly passable. Um, and so I'd actually been to Peru a couple times. Uh, most recently was uh, was for the the Skeptics Con- Congress. And I figured, well, as long as we're there, let's go. Let's go check it out. So I'd, I'd been to Machu Picchu, um, and some, and you know, Chan Chan, and and some of the other places, uh, but I had never been to the Nazca Lines. And so I figured, since me and Joe Nickel were there, my colleague at at, uh, at CFI, and of course also a, a columnist for Skeptical Inquirer, I was like, hey, let's uh, let's go check it out. And so we did that. We also looked at the um, the Ica stones, the, the <laughs> stones that have the the, uh, the, the the aliens. Exactly. Yeah, it's like the uh, they're like, oh, could this be a dinosaur? Like, yeah, 
<laughs> well, we'll call it that. Wasn't the story like some guy was there offering to to pay money for these stones? So like the locals were like, "Oh shit, this white <laughs> right. dude is fucking paying us." It's like, uh, <laughs> "All right, yeah, that's that's basically the story." I mean, this uh, uh, years ago, so somebody was carving these things into the, into some rocks. And uh, it was just these cool little designs, and then and then uh, they showed it to uh, to somebody down there, a white guy who didn't know jack shit. He's like, "Wow, can, can you find me more of these? Can you can you dig these up from ancient tombs?" He's like, "Yeah, my cousin Juan can get you lots of those. Hold on." Yeah, yeah, I bet. And so so he's he's, he's bringing them by the cartload. Yeah, like, like it became like a cottage industry. Yeah, right? yeah. Just and taking advantage of this idiot <laughs> foreigner with a lot of money. He's like, oh wow, this this is you know I, I'm on the I'm on the edge of some some cutting edge thing. He's like, you're being suckered, dude. Yeah. Well, you know what freaks me out though. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be freaked out by it. I should expect it by now. Is those stones? Photos of those stones show up on my feed. I would have to say, and I'm not even bullshitting, like three or four times a week. Really? By new age indigenous enthusiasts that uh, are really, really caught up in just this uh, new agey, you know, reinterpretation of indigenous yeah, history, yeah, yeah. the pseudo history. And so they, uh, I see it all the time. They show, they'll literally, they'll be like, well, you know, how if. Science is wrong because look, man lived with dinosaurs. Or, Boom, prove, yeah. <laughs> mic drop, checkmate, bitches, <laughs> fucking scientists. Well, you know what's bizarre to me is that you know in the skeptical world, this is old news. I mean, this yeah. is this yeah. is this is like as stale as the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is you know there hasn't been anything on the ecostones in in forever, and so it, to to like skeptics who do this you know on, as a career, it's like. Yeah, that was debunked like long ago. But but you know, in in our skeptical bubble, it's 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 sometimes easy easy to forget that that people like you and people who aren't aren't skeptical, they just like oh look, they're, they're rediscovering this shit yeah. as if it's like well, here's a new thing. It's like no, my child, sit down. <laughs> this is this is not new. Well, it's this proclivity to. Uh, to attach ourselves to things that we see as like ancient knowledge or hidden knowledge that we have this special access to things that nobody else knows about and it somehow makes us special and and you know we we like that feeling i think people are drawn to that i think that would draw that's what, kind of what draws people to uh just magical thinking and uh you know not not having a skeptical bo- or or if they're skeptical they're skeptical about the wrong shit <laughs> right like i literally we call those skeptics yeah well i just saw <laughs> an argument an honest to you know to god yeah, i don't believe in god but honest to lowercase <laughs> lowercase g god yeah uh our argument about the flat earth on my facebook page right in 2017 yeah and uh, you this, expect that in like 1750. Yeah, right. But this one guy, he's like, "No, nah, man, you just don't understand the way I understand." And did you know that NASA means to deceive in ancient Hebrew? And I'm like, "Are you one? Are you sure about that?" Because I'm not sure about that. But even if it is true, come on. But what's funny is they all must be getting their information from the exact same source because every, you know, and I've been lucky. I've only actually ever interacted with three human beings that think the earth is flat. 
but they all use the same arguments. They yeah. all say, well, the Bible says that it was uh, airplane pilots already know this, man. Otherwise, they would have to, to fly with the tips of their planes pointed down. And I'm like, you really don't understand how things work, do you? Right. You, you don't have a clue. <laughs> you just don't have a clue. Well, you know, it's, you know part of it is, is uh, it's sort of, I would contrast that to, you know, the way the science works. I mean, science, as you know, operates on, on precedent and it operates on established knowledge. And what these people miss is that in order to understand something, you need to make an effort to research it. To, <laughs> this sounds crazy. Find actual actual experts. Yeah, beyond and, YouTube videos. Yeah, not just <laughs> and blogs that already you know right uh, repeat the your narrative. And Alex Jones. Yeah, and so yeah, <laughs> what this is is that to them it's this cutting edge thing. It's like, well, you're just part of the establishment. Yeah, you, oh, you yeah. you don't understand. <laughs> well, something that's really unfortunate that I've seen is uh, this this reaction to intellectualism. You know, this anti-intellectualism that's going on. And especially in the indigenous communities, I get called a sellout. I get called all kinds of names because I went back to school and, you know, became a scientist and right. work as an archaeologist. And people are like, well, that's the white man's science. And I'm like, well, science is like... It's kind of everyone's science, Yeah, really. it's kind of everybody's, <laughs> you know. It doesn't belong to one specific group. And it's it's a method. It's not an ideology. So you know, exactly. we need to let go of this uh, this fear of science. But what I'm seeing a lot, and I mean, come on, it's like you said, it's 2017. We have people that believe in the flat Earth. We have people that believe in the ecostones. We have people believe that we never went to the moon. We you know, and it doesn't matter how many times these things get debunked. I think you're always going to have people that believe in it just because they want to believe in it. They've, they live in this bubble, this, this reality that they've constructed for themselves that they're not willing to poke their heads outside of. Well, you know, part of it is that you know, it's one skepticism we call the, the rubber duck syndrome. You know, it's, it's basically old wine and new bottles. And what you find is that a lot of times a lot of these so-called new ideas, these so-called cutting-edge ideas, if, if you actually take some time to do some, some research into it, these ideas circulated in the 1870s, oh, in yeah. the 1930s. I mean, this is, there's nothing new about them at all. They're just, they're just old wine and new bottles, and they're repackaged as some sort of mystical. And it, it's just, it just, and again, it goes back to just people. It, the, the problem isn't just that they don't do the research. It's that they don't even realize they should do the research. They're, to them, it's, it's all new. And, well, hey, this guy on YouTube said this. And, like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a whole body of knowledge here saying, like, like you know, every now and then I have someone's like, "Oh well, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the you know, have you have you looked at the uh, the, the studies about uh, about uh, you know psychic abilities and PK?" I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I have. Yeah, what about it?" Like, oh. Well, you know, and then they try, they start to throw something out there and like, like, look into it. There's, there's a robust history of people who have spent time looking for ghosts. People yeah. have spent time trying to prove psychokinetic ability with random number of generators, uh, the pair program and these other things where, where it's like, the, it, it's, the data's there. It's, it's not as if, you know, the reason that scientists reject this is not because no one's looked at it. The reason they reject it is because they have looked at it and yeah, it's bullshit. And yeah, and there's no evidence. I mean, wasn't uh, Houdini one of the big guys that was really out to debunk 
and challenge the psychic uh, phenomena claims? He absolutely was. I mean, and Houdini is a, is a perfect example of an early skeptic. Uh, you know, he died in 1926, but, it, but from the 1880s onward, um, he was one of the most prominent uh, debunkers, and partly because of his background in, in magic. And, of course, that's, there's a long history of, of skeptics in magic, you know, James Randi, Ray Hyman, mm-hmm. um, other people like that, who, uh, who you know, part of, part of the value is in knowing how people are fooled. Um, because that's what magicians do. <laughs> that's yeah. literally what they do is they, they, they think of ways to fool you. And when you spend your time looking at ways to fool you, you can more easily identify the ways that other people are fooled. Um, and so Houdini, uh, you know, he, he didn't start out as a, as, a, as a skeptic necessarily or debunker. Uh, he got disgusted with the spiritualists of the day, with, with the, the capital S spiritualist movement certainly around that time, and he, it was very, very popular, starting with, with Kate and Maggie Fox in Hydesville, New York, and they had this series of raps that they claimed were from a murdered pe- uh, peddler. Um, and uh, and that, that sort of launched a whole, a whole, you know, basically a religion called spiritualism, which is, was very, very popular in the 1800s and still exists in a couple places today. Anyway, it was later proven to be a hoax. They admitted they had lied, but people were like, well, don't care. Whatever, we're, yeah. we're still anyway. So, so Houdini saw the the, the vast number of people that are being scammed uh, by by people who are doing transparent magic tricks, and he's like, "This is bullshit." It's like, I know that you're lying because I can do that, and so he set out to 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 prove, uh, to basically to to prove that these people were were hoaxing, which of course uh, they were. Um, and so, yeah, Houdini was one of the original uh, original skeptics, certainly of that era. So when you said that you uh, you you went to take a look at the Ica stones, did you get to hold any of the Ica stones? Did you oh, to- I hold I held my stones, man. I held as many <laughs> stones as I could. I was okay. See, here's the situation. So so I was uh, again I was with Joe Nickel, another research fellow at CFI, uh, and Joe doesn't speak any Spanish, and so and my Spanish is okay. I wouldn't call it good, but it's okay, certainly enough to get by on. But Joe didn't speak any Spanish, and so he was sort of relying on me to to translate and stuff, which is fine. But we we went to go see Nazca, and we we did a flight and saw the saw the the drawings and did we didn't really do much on the ground research because there's not really much you can do like on the ground because you're not allowed to actually go out on the yeah on the field which of course is good but anyway we we we, we flew over we did some stuff there and then uh, we went to nearby Ica uh, which actually has um, uh, a good brewery uh, a lot of the a lot of people don't realize nice. yeah it, here's the thing is that in a lot of the small Peruvian towns uh, for example Trujillo uh, each of the local towns even if it's a tiny one has their own beer Basically, so there's Trujillo. Anyway, so, so I, I was like sampling, like, okay, let's get to Ica now, right? By the time I was at Ica, I was pretty plastered, but I, I calmed down. So we, um, we, 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 we tracked down where the Ica stones were, and it was this, it was weird, because I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I thought maybe like in a museum, but then I'm like, well, but it's bullshit. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're not in a museum, because that will legitimize the bullshit. I mean, it, it's pretty. You know, Unless they were put into context, right? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so but that's so. Anyway, I, I tracked down where, where the eco stones were, and it was like this nondescript, just like you know, you know, four thirty-five Plaza de Armas or whatever. 
and just a little so you, you knock on this like big wooden door like you'd see in some like some like you know Alamo movie and uh and we had to wait and make arrangements it was a whole big production uh and it eventually went went in there and they opened up the door we were led into a room that's probably probably maybe uh 10 feet by maybe 30 or 40 feet and just all around were stones, just like just like shelves and shelves, and just you know, and some of them were boulders, some of them were like as big as basketballs, and and um, and you know, like not as big as a small car, but like you know, like three feet in diameter. And other ones were a lot smaller, but they're just all over the place. And so uh, I got some photos. I can send them to you. You can you can use them on the on the thing. But it was just interesting seeing all these things, and 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 uh, you know, the 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 woman that ran it. Um, you know, we paid a little fee or whatever, and it wasn't like an official museum of just sort of, mm-hmm. these are the yeah. Inca stones. But it was so clear that these are hoaxes and fakes. I mean, it's just like, it was interesting from a, from a historical point of view to actually see the Inca stones and touch them and like, but on the other hand, I'm like, in a way, this is, this is historically significant just from a, a skeptical point of view, but in a way it's like, I could do this. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you you know give me a rock and a, and a nail and half an hour and I can do this. And the idea that this would fool somebody who who was blinded by this this vision that they were uncovering some hidden you know connection to the the, the prehistoric past was bizarre. Well, you just wanted to believe, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 the people that are posting them to this very freaking day just really want something to believe in and for whatever reason this is their thing you know uh with with the nazca lines so i've always heard i've never been there but i always hear that there's no way that you could see these things unless you were from you know like flying over it right that it's physically impossible but i've also heard from people say well no you could if you stood here on the side of this mountain you could just look down and see them perfectly fine i've never been there uh, what's what's the story there? Yeah, so that's you know when when you look at the the, the mythologies that have have emerged uh, over Nazca, and and let me just preface this by saying I I'm not an expert on Nazca. I, I've been there, I did some research, but I'm certainly the world's top expert. But I I've been there, I've done some mm-hmm. research on it. So so if I if I get a, a glitch or two wrong, but but basically, you know, the a lot of the uh, a lot of the pseudo history that's emerged out of Nazca is the result of, of, of course, um, von Daniken, Eric von Daniken, um, who uh, has his book *Chariot of the Gods*, and his his basically his basic thesis is that anybody basically older than him is too stupid to build a pyramid. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, carve rocks. <laughs> yeah. So or you know, lines in the desert, right? And so his 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 racist thesis is that that ancient Americans uh, or Egyptians or whatever else didn't have the knowledge of the, of the, or the technology to, to, for example, Mesoamericans, for example. And you know, pyramids. And the problem is that if you look at pyramids, I mean, pyramids are, are the ultimate stable shape. Like, if there are any structures, <laughs> if, you, if, say, 2,000 years ago, you, you tried a, di- a bunch of different shapes for, for things that would, like, last a long time, the only one that would last a long time would be the pyramid because they're inherently stable. Uh, so the, <laughs> the, 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 the reason these things lasted so long is because they were 
they were intentionally created to last that long, right? So for all we know, they had these huge pillars that, of course, crumbled after a short time. So it's this bizarre backward thinking. And Von Daniken's still alive. I, I, he is. I, I, yeah, it's the I weird. never would have thought that. Well, I, I, I got an email from him. Um, I got an email from it – was, it was one of his PR people. Um, and uh, and it was uh, it was bizarre because he because this was like like a year or two ago, and it's like oh Von Daniken still you know he wrote, and I, I wrote back to the PR guy I'm like is he still alive I thought that bullshit was discredited <laughs> a long time ago and of course the guy never wrote back but anyway so yeah he still in fact he tried to do a uh, he tried to do a sort of a, a, a pseudo scientific Disneyland. He had this idea for this this theme park that he was going to do in Europe, uh, I think in, in Switzerland or something, that was going to be dedicated to his crank ideas. It, it never got anywhere, of course. But anyway, I'm going off the track. So, so, so the the this, the so-called mysteries surrounding the Nazca lines, many of them emerged in the context of like. Well, it's weird. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Ancient aliens. Ancient must be aliens, yeah. right? Exactly. So, so, and and one of the exactly as you mentioned, one of the the claims that floats around is that the only way that these things could have been uh, seen is from above. And of course, if that's true, let me emphasize: if that's true, then that does raise a legitimate question. Like, well, why would you why would you design something that you can't appreciate, you can't see? I mean, it's like. I guess it would almost be like you know if you if you if you did a self tattoo on your own back and there were no mirrors mm-hmm. like why would you do that because you can't <laughs> there's literally no way anybody could see it so so there's a certain sort of kind of logic to it uh, but the problem is that you can in fact see many of the the uh, the, the designs um, there's hundreds of designs there um, most of them are. Uh, so some of the best ones are animals. So there's, a, there's a, a spider, and there's a bird, and there's a monkey. The monkey. The, the, the monkey is the, like the most famous. Monkey one. is awesome. Yeah, the monkey's awesome. Um, but there's lots of there's lots of smaller ones. Um, there's about seventy ones that are that are animals. Uh, there's also um, you know shapes and designs and flowers, and I mean there's, there's a wide variety of stuff. Um, and not all of them can be seen uh, from, from anyway. There's a there's a, there's a mountain nearby. It's not a tall mountain, but it's definitely a mountain, and it's definitely high enough that that you could you could see the the designs. Uh, so again, the the premise that that you can't see the designs from there is flat out wrong. You you can see the designs. Uh, so and again, it's one of the things where where part of the problem is that. There's all this misinformation out there, right? And so, if you don't know that, because as you said, like you know, you look online in one in one place, it says you can't see the designs from Nazca from the Nazca Plains. You look at another another blog, it says, well, of course you can't, like unless you go there, yeah. or you know, yeah. or I mean, you could obviously you could. I mean, these days there's Wikipedia, which is probably slightly more accurate than not. But the point is that that for people who who don't bother to do any research. It's sort of six one half dozen the other, um, and so that's what you found is that is that the designs are visible. At least some of the designs are visible from the Nazca Plains, um, and and you know when I mean the real question is is why they were made. Um, it's not really when they were made because uh, you, the, we have stakes. We, we, they found stakes. They they carbon dated, and it dates right back to the uh, the the uh, the Nazca. Uh, um, culture, which which is about uh, 200 BC to 600 BC, 
um, uh, or excuse me, 200 BC to, to about 680. So there's so it, it it dates right exactly to when they would when mm-hmm. they would be there. Uh, and and near a lot of the designs, you there are uh, smaller layouts of that design, which of course you don't see in the in the big yeah. photographs, yeah. right? So so. Um, and that sort of gives us a clue in terms of how they made them because they were laid out. The, we can tell they were laid out ahead of time. They, they, they did like artist studies exactly prior to exactly. executing the exactly. actual thing. So, so it's not like this is all blank slates. Like we know there there is clear evidence that that they uh, the the Nazca Indians, not aliens, for example. Because um, why would aliens need to do that, right? If it's aliens, you just you know shoot your lasers downstairs. <laughs> and anyway, so um, so again, the, the the real question isn't who made them, despite von Donneken's bullshit. Because the the Nazca Indians made them, and then there's no reason to doubt that. Uh, and there's no real question as to how they were made. Uh, we I mean we don't obviously we don't have photographs, um, but we have a pretty good idea of of how they they were done, and it's through a grid system. Right. So as an artist, you know this, right? You can you can design something out there and then you just scale it up. Yeah. And it's not going to be perfect. Um, but the, the designs aren't perfect. I mean, we're they're they are what they are. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're a little crooked here or there. And that's 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 to be expected. So the the real question is why they were made. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's sort of that that basic I mean, the question "why" is probably the ultimate question, right? It's it's why are we here, right? Why is something done? Yeah, why is anything done? Exactly, and it, and it's 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 the most difficult question to answer, right? In any in anything, if there's a murder or there's some event, right? Anything that happens in the real world, one of the most difficult questions is why. It's pretty easy to determine where, and when, and sometimes how, and who, but why. Is causation? Why is more speculative? Why is unless it's it's inherently conjecture? It's and not not that not that you can't have an answer to it, but it's 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 ultimately a difficult. It, it's the most difficult question to answer of the you know four four mm-hmm. H's and, and W whatever four H's. I'm drunk, um, <laughs> but but anyway. So so and you know we we see the same thing with Stonehenge, right? Uh, why did they build it? Why did they design Stonehenge in that way? Um, well, probably astronomical. There's other reasons. The, the question how they did it is not is not that hard to find. Also, the uh, the, the stones at Rapa, Rapa Nui, the the you know the iconic you know yeah. Easter Island stuff. So uh, so it's not surprising that the big how why did they have why did they do this right? And so um, one of the theories that von Daniken uh, proposed. Which you know, just to preface, is bullshit. Was that they were landing strips, yeah, uh, not yeah, the kind of landing strip one. you're thinking of. But <laughs> uh, but he's like, yeah, may, you know, there's these big lines. Maybe maybe this the spacecraft needed to because apparently spacecraft need to land. I mean, do they need to come in a runway? Because those <laughs> really what? Because they can't just hover. I don't know. Anyway, so part of the idea was that maybe these are like some sort of landing strips out there. Well. Um, first of all, why would you need to do that? Second of all, the ground is is much too soft for that. Uh, if you've been out to the, the Atacama Desert and 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 uh, and the Nazca Lines, when you walk around, of course not you're not allowed to walk on the lines, but you're in the desert, so you're seeing some of it. The uh, there's there's sort of um, 
the, the stones uh, have a varnish because they've been baked under the sun for millennia. And so you have one, so one side of rocks has, well, you varnish, you, you know what varnish is. Um, but then you turn it over, it's a different color. And of course, any disruption to, uh, to, to, the, to the terrain is going to, uh, certainly in that climate, which is, it's very, of course, very arid, it's the desert, uh, not much uh, rain, if any, uh, and not much wind. And so it's the perfect conditions for preserving these, these huge long lines. Um, so they're clearly not la- you know, alien UFO landing strips. Um, some people thought that they were um, may, maybe uh, dealing with deities, right? And some maybe, you know, theories about uh, some, um, some cosmology. But in the case of the Nazca Indians, w- we don't have a good, they didn't leave written records about yeah. their cosmology. So we, unlike, for example, in Mesoamerica, we have some idea of, of you know, the Mayan calendar and the, the their cosmologies. That's not the case with the Nazca. So it's 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 more difficult for us to say. Well, you know, here's this hummingbird uh, that they drew out in the, on the plains, and this hummingbird corresponds to this particular deity. So that, that you're not you're not going to find that sort of one to one correlation. Has um has uh what's his name Graham Hancock. Has he weighed in on Von Daniken's ideas? Because wasn't he originally like a big proponent of Von Daniken's ideas? Wasn't he really big into ancient aliens for a while? I think he toned it down as he got more popular. And he's really into his ancient civilization, which is, I think, is equally as racist to say that, (laughs) well, this ancient advanced civilization survived the Younger Dryas and then came out into the world and ingratiating themselves with uh, hunter-gatherers and then taught them Because they couldn't figure that out. Because, you know, you can't (laughs) figure out how to fucking sharpen a stick or a rock or draw something uh, without... That's far beyond their abilities. Yeah, right? I mean, these guys really, really underestimate the human nature or the complexity of of what human beings can can uh, accomplish mm-hmm. with very little. Yeah, it's a good question. I I honestly don't uh I haven't followed Hancock in a while just because he's such a crank. Uh I mean it's like you reading Hancock stuff it's sort of like um have you read much Blavatsky? And the, the you know she she's one of the you know the theosophy and stuff. And they're no. just these these you know these 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 you know phone book thick, you know the cosmologies and it's sort of like reading Crowley. It's just this, like, what what are you talking about? It's just yeah. it's this dense, turgid, impenetrable, impenetrable stuff. Um, and you know, there's a there's a great quote by L. Sprague de Camp, a skeptic and of course a science fiction writer, uh, who was asked uh, if he was going to try and debunk von Daniken's bullshit. Uh, and he said, uh, you can look up the quote, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, um, he said, even if I was mad enough to do it, it would take years of my life, and who would read it? <laughs> I mean, and he's exactly right. I mean, that this, this, that's actually one of the, the, the cruxes of the skeptical dilemma, right, is you have these people cranking out this crank. Literally, yeah, and they, they, they just they just have all the this, this speculative bullshit. They throw stuff out there, and they had a dream about something, so they they go down that path. And I see this all the time. I see this in chupacabra research. I see this in ghost research. Just all you know, the new age cosmology, and they just crank this shit out. 
And it, they, they crank it out faster than skeptics can read it and respond to it and analyze it and debunk it. Yeah, well, it's because it's easy to make shit up. You know, all you got to do is make shit up that's and have exactly access right. to the internet. Exactly. And that's all you need. And you don't and, even need that, man. And within a, a, a month, you'll have like half a million followers just yeah. buying whatever yeah. you're saying, yeah. hook, line, and sinker. Um, it's interesting you brought up that a lot of these ideas are old and they're just kind of come back in cycles because there is a very popular image uh, in New Age communities and in the Chicano Mexicano indigenous community that people call the Hunab Ku. And it's like this white and black, they call it the cosmic butterfly. Or, you know, it's, it's um, they say it's, it's, it's a Mayan symbol that represents this ancient Mayan concept of the Hunab Ku. But if you look into either of those things, first of all, the image is not Mayan, it's Mexica. Uh, it was turned into a circle, um, like in the 1980s, I think, by this guy that wrote the <laughs> that Mayan. That reason, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jose Arguez <laughs> was his name. He uh, he wrote this book called The Mayan Factor, I think, and he was the first one. He turned it into a circle because he thought it looked like the yin yang. Oh, I see. So he just imposed his own his own little spin on yeah, this. Okay, yeah. so that's the, legitimate. The original oh, colors, not yeah. The, the original colors were yellow and black. He turned them into black and white because it fit into his narrative. Right. He changed it. It was originally a square. Uh, he turned it into a circle. And uh, he started calling it, you know, he started saying, well, this represents the ancient Mayan concept of the Hunab Ku. Uh, not even using a Mayan symbol. And right. not only that, but a distorted, embellished upon Aztec symbol. What a dick. Yeah, oh, totally. So he, he applied this idea of the Hunab Ku to it. But the funny thing about Hunab Ku is Hunab Ku is actually a linguistic invention that was created by the Spaniards in order to Christianize the Yucatec Mayan. Interesting. So what they did was, is they showed up, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he wrote a dictionary of Yucatec Maya. He was a priest. And his strategy was, is, well, we're going to find out how the Mayan would say the word one God, like one true God. And the closest expression they would have to it was hunab ku and so he's like fine you know this that is now we'll the name of of our one lord and savior god from the bible right so the idea had never existed before it was totally made up right. and imposed by the spaniards and then it had a fake symbol attached to it <laughs> By a new ager, so it's like a lie wrapped in another lie, right? And then you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fascinating. And then, and then repackaged right. and fucking sold to people because you'll find it on necklaces, fucking T-shirts. People have tattoos. I see people with wow. this image tattooed all the fucking time. You got to write it. And it, write it an breaks my on, heart. Well, I did a video on it. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to the yeah, video. It's like, uh, magazines don't do videos, man. You've you got to write an article. This is, this is really interesting. I love this. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me because people have built their entire careers, like actual academics and, you know, ethnic studies, whatever. You know, I, <laughs> right. I, I, think, I think they're not exactly, you know, academically. Their scholarship is not as rigid is I would like Welcome to, to my be. world, my friend. <laughs> Welcome to my world. So, you know, these guys, these academics, write papers about the Hunab Ku and the ancient philosophies of the Maya. Do, do they not 
Do they not? They do, do but I think that they've, they've got too much invested yeah. already. Like, people have their PhDs based off of repeating this shit. And there's one guy in fucking particular. Wow. I want to fucking call him out right now. There's this old school Mayan guy. His name was Domingo Martinez Paredes. He died in the 1980s, I think. He spoke Yucatec Maya. Okay? Great. He taught philosophy at UNAM, at the National University in Mexico. He was a rabid pseudo-historian and pseudo-scholar. At the time that he started teaching, he belonged to an organization called the MCRCA, uh, Movimiento Confederado Restaurador de la Cultura de Anahuac, right? The, the, guys, the people that are going to restore the culture of Anahuac. Right. And it was an organization made up entirely of pseudo-historians, New Agers, and wow. just bullshit artists. And this guy was a university professor, and he took that as the opportunity to push their philosophy, their ideology, right? Interesting. So he was one of the first guys that really pushed that idea of Hunapku, but he also had all these really fucking crazy ideas that he actually stole, getting back to your whole thing about how most of this stuff is really old. There was a pseudo-archaeologist uh, named Le Plongion, I think was his name, a uh, French guy, moved to Mexico, uh, wanted to be a Mesoamericanist. Uh, he was a, uh, a spiritualist. He was, you know, whatever their right. crazy shit. What are, what are they bringing there to An occultist, you know. Right. Um, and he wrote this book uh, that... God damn it, I can't remember the name of the book. When I post this, I'll put a link to the, to the book. He wrote this book where he claimed all kinds of crazy shit. Like, he, he claimed that Jesus Christ spoke Maya. That... <laughs> and Aramaic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, that, <laughs> and English, probably. And that the last words Jesus spoke on the cross were Yucatec Mayan. And he writes this in his book. And then he took this symbol, not the symbol that Jose Arguez used, but he took another symbol based on, like, some Masonic... Freemason teachings and said this represents Hunabku. You Interesting. Know? And it was like and so anyway, all of these ideas. Oh, and he also said, you know, well, the Mayans came from Atlantis and oh, that because of course they yeah, did. Because why wouldn't they? And <laughs> Duh. and all world civilization came from the Maya, that the Maya like took off on boats and spread civilization throughout the world. This is this guy, uh I think his his first name was Augustus, uh, but I know his last name was Leplongion. And I'm probably saying it wrong because mm. I don't speak French. Oh, fuck him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking bullshit artist. <laughs> well, anyway, this guy, Domingo Martinez Paredes, stole all of this fucking guy's ideas and put them in his books and said the same shit. In fact, if you look at his books, the symbol that Leplongion uses for Hunabku, he he's just straight up jacks it. Wow. And says, oh, this is the ancient, wow. you know... And then he also, he, it's like reading his book and Leplongion's book side by side. It's like, wow, this guy just straight fucking lifted this shit. So wow. even though he spoke Yucatec, and I think that's why people 
in the academic world, ethnic studies world, are willing to give him a pass. Sure. Right? They're like, yeah. well, he was a native speaker. Right. So why wouldn't he know right. these things? Are you a native speaker? Yeah. Well, well yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. okay, then. But what's funny is is I, I know native speakers of Yucatec, right. so I could pass this stuff by them, and they're like, nah, dude, that's bullshit. <laughs> no, 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 no. And this one's way... Yeah, this it's, is, it's this, so far it's, gone. It, as they say, it's not even wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not even wrong. It's so bad. It's not even wrong. And, uh, you know, people give him a pass, and his bullshit gets repeated to, to the point where it's still being repeated to this day in schools, at universities, wow. on tattoos, and it's fucking infuriating because when you point it out, when you point out to somebody that this deeply held belief they have is probably based on bullshit. Their reaction isn't to be like, oh, really? Well, tell me more. I want to become more educated about this. And Thank have you an for informed, clarifying. Yeah. And I want to have an informed opinion and right. then go forward from there. <laughs> yeah. I want to see things from all angles. Those shields fucking come up and right. they're like, no, nah, man, fuck you. You're saying this because you're a scientist because right. you're part of the problem because you're an agent because right. you're this is a distraction yeah this is a distraction uh, you're fucking illuminati or you know you're being paid by the bilderbergs or whatever the fuck it is well you know what what, what i find what i find bizarre and and frankly uh pathetic about it and I, I mean pathetic in its literal sense is you have these people that um you know they don't know any better and they don't want to know any better yeah, it's and, the second part that's the motherfucker. Yeah, it, that's really the, the infuriating part is is you know when 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 you do research and you say, look, you know, I've laid it out for you. I've done the groundwork. I've spent months t- tracking this down, finding original sources. The, he, I've laid it out for you. It's all here. You go. I've 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 spent. I'm giving you the result of lots of work, and they're like, yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm like, no. What I'm gonna. <laughs> no, believe. no. Yeah. Okay. But but no. I. It's like okay. Well then, then what's your what's your source? YouTube. Yeah, I read it online. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I love is they won't take scientists' word for it. Like they're super skeptical about. <laughs> well, why would I believe a scientist? But you know. Fucking Bob's website dot wordpress dot org <laughs> right. backslash conspiracy news. Right. Like, clearly, <laughs> clearly that guy knows what the fuck he's talking right. about. Right. Look at that. Look at that. He's, he's got a beret on his head. How 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 he's do got you... an American flag <laughs> on right. his website? Right. Right. It's a well. That's the thing. It's just you. And if you think about, I mean, whatever tattoo, whatever you want to believe is fine. But it's like you know, people in some cases they. They they construct their lives around these beliefs. I mean, they they go on pilgrimages. They 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 indoctrinate their friends. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. It's it's you know it's it's money. And it's like, and it's one thing to have like a you know look if you if you believe that Bigfoot's out there, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I can tell you why it's probably not, but whatever. But if you spend years of your life. And 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 I I I've, I've read of people who spent like tens of thousands of dollars looking for Bigfoot. I mean, like, I just, yeah, you serious know, cash. Yeah, serious. And I mean, I, I remember I was, at, I was at Loch Ness, and I interviewed a guy named Steve Feltham. And he had moved there from London, uh, I think about 10 or 20 years earlier. And he lives in this tiny, 
one-room trailer on the shores of Loch Ness because he thinks he's going to find the monster. And I interviewed the guy, and he interesting guy, nice guy, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, I'm looking at him, and like, you left your, I mean, he's living alone on the shore of this lake in Scotland because he got this idea in his head that, that Nessie's there. Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. But think of how, how would his life have been different if he's like, you know what, Nessie's probably there, but, you know, I, I don't want to invest my entire life <laughs> to, 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 to wait for it. out. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, or, or the, the example, I remember I was talking to a guy, this is probably about six, seven years ago, and he, um, he, he had sent me a book to, to, to look at, and normally I'm like, I don't have time for this shit, but it's like, I was like, uh, he, he came up to me at a conference, he's like, you know, he's one of those people like, hey, I love yourself, hey, here's my card, can you, I'm like, whatever. So anyway, he, he, long story short, he sent me, he sent me this, 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 this book manuscript that he was, he was looking at, and he wanted my advice, and, you know, I, I, I'm a bit, I don't have time, but I'll, for every, Every now and then, if I'll try and reach out to somebody, you know, try to make an effort to just not be dismissive. Like, all right, fine. So send me your book. So, so I, I spent maybe an hour or two skimming through the guy's book, and it was this weird. And you've seen this, like it's a kitchen sink thing where everything is thrown there. It's like, well, let, let me bring in aliens. Hold on, let me bring in the new age. Oh, crystals, right? It's, it's all this stuff that is only loosely connected, if at all, and they just lump the shit together anyway. So one of the one of the he spent a whole chapter on analyzing Stonehenge, and there's nothing new about this. I mean, people have been looking for a long time, but but he 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 had this. He clearly spent months or years working on this theory where he because he, he had diagrams in the book, and he's like, this is how the stones are arranged, and you know he had clear diagrams and like angles, like this, the angles here, angles there, and he had all these mathematical. Equations explaining like ley lines and you know all these things went, <laughs> and and I looked at it and I was like, so I, so I I I call I I called him on the phone. I was like, yeah, I looked at you I looked at your book. I have some notes. I said uh, on chapter four uh, on Stonehenge, um, you know, you have all these you know, equations and charts and analysis and what all this means. I said, you know that the stones have been moved, right? He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah. Um, if you if you if you research the history, they, they've moved the stone several times. Um, so so the, the the current configuration of Stonehenge, the one that you spent months analyzing carefully and and, and talking about how how sorry, bud, how carefully they these angles match up to stars and ley lines, they weren't originally like that. And it was over the phone, so I, I couldn't see his face. But you could hear <laughs> I was like, I was like, his brain explode. I was like, right? and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I, I yeah, that's not how that, I mean, look it up. Here's, I have a National Geographic on it. Look it up. And it was weird because I, I could almost hear his, and, and he's, he, he, he's like, Okay, I'll look into it. But I could tell he wasn't going to look into it. Yeah. I could tell what he, I knew exactly what that fucker's going to do. He's going to be like, okay, they moved the stones. But they knew. <laughs> they knew where to move them. They knew, right. That's why they, they moved them, right, man. They, right, like they had the stones put this, this in way, but they knew 
that in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, they were going to move the stones in this particular way. So, so I, was just, <laughs> I, just, I just know that's where it's going with it. And so, I, so bad. I just, and again, it's just, you know, just so much time and effort spent on these. And it's just, and, and, and I, I try to be sympathetic because, you know, I, you know, with, you know, background in psychology and I, I deal with believers all the time and I'm a big believer in trying to you know be respectful right I mean, people come up with weird beliefs they they see ghosts they, they think they're psychic they think this and the other and you know I try to be like open mind like all right well you know I, I I believe you believe it and help me understand so I try to you know I'm, I'm not one of the you know I mean I'm not one of the dismissive ones but at some point I just like Man, I, it, 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 it literally makes me sad to see the amount of, of lifetime experience that people have pursued in, in, in researching and internalizing something that they, they, could have, they could have realized has no real basis if they had spent, you know, a couple hours. Well, like, yeah, ah. I... I know exactly how you feel. I was in Hollywood once, and I went to the... I don't know if it's still there. Last time I was there, I looked for it, and I didn't see it. But the L. Ron Hubbard Life Museum. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a hoot, right? So I, I walk in, and the woman uh, at the counter uh, was excited to see me. And she welcomes me, and she calls over somebody to watch the front desk. And she's like, I'm going to give you a personal tour of the life of L. Ron Hubbard. And I was like, great. Awesome. So we're walking through it, and she's just, she knows it, the, the sales pitch. Pat, right? right? Boom, boom, boom. She's walking you through it. Did you ask if they have any Kool-Aid? I've always, wanted, <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Just go like, yeah, I love this. Do you have any Kool-Aid I could drink? <laughs> just see what they do. Well, I don't think they would even get it. Uh, probably not. Anyway. So... You know, I did the uh, the e-meter. She took me into yeah. a room and had me do the e-meter. And uh, the tour, quote-unquote tour, is actually a really long sales pitch that's sure. going to end with them trying to get you to sign up for classes sure. or buy books or whatever. you gotta got to weed out the Thetans, man. you got the, right? the evil, you know, the <laughs> but, uh, Zenu is all over you. I thought she was way more interesting than what she was talking about. So I was like, so where are you from? Because she had a, an accent and... You know, she was from China, um, and she was telling me the story about how she always wanted to be a dancer since she was a little girl, and finally she made it. After years of study and practice, she became a professional dancer. She got into this really prestigious program, and she left it all behind to join Scientology and move to the United States wow. and work at the L. Ron Hubbard Life Museum. And she was proud of that, I'm sure. She was. Well, she wouldn't have I told think you the she story. was. But I, mean, I could kind of see it in her eyes. When she, I wouldn't say she, she wasn't proud about it, but when she was talking about being a dancer, right. you could see it in her eyes that it was something it was like she passion. lit up. You right. know what I mean? Like, I loved right. this. And it's like, holy shit. I thought it was going to wow. be like a joke going in there. Instead, I felt I, I left feeling bummed the fuck out because this woman who was trying to achieve her life ambition got suckered. Mm-hmm. You know, she got taken advantage of, and fucking now she's like a prisoner in a fucking Scientology camp. Yeah, she's somewhere. waiting for people to come in so they can she can sign them up for for uh, yeah, for, for meters and the chance to meet John Travolta twenty yeah. years from now. Yeah, it's it, it it was really depressing. But you, I wanted to bring this up. 
You are an expert in chupacabras. I am. Is that fair to say? You are an expert. <laughs> I've I've spent the I, I've literally spent uh, far more time than any other person alive looking into chupa. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, <laughs> smart or stupid, but it's it's the truth. Yes. So I, I hear that, and I, I know next to nothing about chupacabras. Um, I'm not sure that's true, but so they originated in Puerto Rico. Is that the first reported sightings, or was it in Mexico? Good question. Uh, the the um, the very first report of the chupacabra, uh, the, the the goat sucker, for those who don't know, uh, was uh, in. And by the way, don't Google that. I I made the mistake one time. <laughs> just googling the goat sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Kids don't. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's not worth it. You can't unsee these things. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So when I was researching it, so basically the uh, the the very first reporting uh, sighting was in in August of nineteen ninety uh, nineteen ninety six. That recent? Yes. Holy shit! It yeah. just feels like it's been around a lot longer than that. It does, uh, and or just, maybe I'm just really fucking old. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's it's uh, it's it, the, everybody thinks that, um, and what you find is that uh, people, because it's such a well-known creature, people assume that it must be old, right? Yeah. Because w- why would a well-known creature be young, right? We, you know, yeah. Mothman, you know, uh, Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot. I mean, there's this assumption, there's this sort of legacy that these these creatures draw upon, and and certainly with them. Um, like Bigfoot, for example, the, the, the main sightings of Bigfoot only date back to the 1950s. Uh, if you discount, which you should, uh, sort of earlier you know, Native American and First Nations myths that were sort of like co-opted. And yeah, exactly. Like that. And, and, that, and you and I can talk about that at some point because that, that's what pisses me off is when you have, you have people who should know better who try and co-opt Native legends and stories for their own, like, oh, let's shoehorn this into Bigfoot. It's like, no. Yeah, as evidence. Yeah. As, let's, as additional evidence to what exactly, we're trying to. Exactly. Uh, but it, so, so there's this, and so again, you know, Bigfoot really only goes back to the 50s, um, and the Loch Ness Monster really only goes back to about the 30s. Um, so it, even those monsters don't really date back before the 1900s. But, um, but Chupacabra. Uh, you know, again, people assume that it's it's a much older creature, uh, partly just because they've heard about it. And and after my book came out, I did the book, you know, tracking chupacabra, and I, I pretty much nailed down the origin of it. And uh, it's it's a long story, but basically, um, you know, the, the, there were you know, the chupacabra is of course a vampire because it, it sucks blood, uh, and that's what intrigued me about the chupacabra was, uh, you know, Bigfoot's not a vampire, Nessie's not a vampire. The chupacabra is clearly a vampire. Um, that's that's his signature, right? It's and and so it was like, okay, well, if this thing is real, then it should be leaving like bloody things everywhere. Yeah, one would think. One would think, right? So, anyway, um, so I, I spent part of the book looking into uh, forensics, right? So I interviewed a, a medical pathologist at University of New Mexico and talked to her, and she she explained. You know, if you kill an animal, you, you, you know, if you, for example, if there's a, a canid predation, right, a, a dog or coyote attack something, it'll crush the neck. It'll leave two puncture marks, um, sometimes others, but oftentimes two right in the neck. And then it'll, sometimes it'll just go away because it, it just it bit it and it goes away. Uh, and so oftentimes people would see these things and they would, they would find a dead animal that's not been eaten uh, that is dead for reasons that aren't clear, but with two puncture marks in the neck. Well, you're going to think vampire, 
Uh, but in fact, it's because you know after the trachea is crushed, uh, it basically died of internal bleeding and hemorrhaging. And these uh, were goats. Yes, goats. Mostly, yeah. mostly goats. Also, some chickens, um, uh, things like that. Occasionally, cattle. Uh, but most, mostly goats and sheep and things like that. Anyway, so so there, you know there was a long-standing tradition of of, of vampires, um, certainly in in uh, in Europe. And so basically, I I argue that the chupacabra is basically a um, it's a it's a it's a modern version of the European vampire. Um, it, it sort of a re- well, it's, it's well, there's the the, the the vampires people are familiar with are revenants. They're basically you know humans that died and then were brought back mm-hmm. up. So that's why these days we think of vampires as you know uh, you know the Anne Rice vampires or you know Dracula, Bela Lugosi, whatever else. But there's older vampires which weren't human. Uh, and so they, they don't take a human form because they were they were never human, unlike the revenants. And so the chupacabra is that sort of vampire. Another example would be Pazuzu, the the the, the, the yeah. demon in, in The Exorcist, yeah. which is actually based on an actual entity. Is it? It is. Oh, yeah, there, there actually is. Awesome. There actually is a Pazuzu. Captain Howdy. Yeah, well, it's, I, I read a really good book on genies and gin uh, called Legend of the Fire Spirits, written by a friend of mine, uh, Robert Lebling, and he talks about some of these these genie legends. Um, Anyway, I'm getting off track. But anyway, so Pazuzu is one of them. Anyway, so uh, so in in the process of trying to track trying to track down the chupacabra, uh, I discovered that again it really dated back to uh, 1995 when uh, there was a a movie came out, Species, uh, the, the the science fiction film, award winning science award winning science fiction film, right? And uh, with uh, Natasha Henstridge uh, and uh, Ben Kingsley and Michael Madsen, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and anyway, so what happens is that, as it turns out, again, I'm, I'm summarizing a 300-page you know, book in a couple, couple words, but the, the very first person to ever see Chupacabra was a woman named Madeline Tolentino, and she was from Canovanas, Puerto Rico. And I went to Puerto Rico and interviewed her. And uh, I was basically the first person in over a decade to interview her because a- after her original sighting, um, it just sort of it made a bunch of news and it sort of faded away. And, and then I sort of came to it and like... She needed a good publicist. Hold on here. <laughs> I'm skeptical, Sean. Let me lurk at this. She could have had a whole cottage industry built off this. Oh, tell me about it. So I tracked her down, and she was really very nice, and she was now living with her uh, her second husband. Uh, and she told me the whole story, and you know, she showed me where she saw the chupacabra and told me the whole story about it. Anyway, um, it turns out that what she described was almost exactly like the, the creature in the movie Species, you know, <laughs> called Syl, with the spiky back and the yeah. you know, spikes in the back and the alien-type eyes and all this. And so in, in, in interviewing her, I realized that, that that was the connection uh, because she said that she'd actually seen the movie Species uh, you know, shortly before she saw the Chupacabra. Uh, and, uh, and when I was writing my book, I had some people who were like, yeah, you just like, they basically accused me of like, like twisting her theory, twisting her words to my theory. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, you know, hypothesis, (laughs) hypothesis, exactly. (laughs) But here's the thing, right? So sorry, hypothesis. Um, and here's the thing is, so I, I actually tracked down, uh, an interview. Actually it was, it was, the, the sighting was in 95 and the interview was 96, uh, where she said that that she she explicitly says the chupacabra I saw looked a lot like the the creature in the movie Species, 
And that was like that was like the smoking because I, I yeah. that was somebody who interviewed her a decade earlier. I didn't go back in time. That's what she said. That's what she said. So she said. Anyway, my point here is that yeah. So so I was able to establish that that was the first time the chupacabra ever emerged, and where it was certainly called the chupacabra. Uh, so you know before that, uh, before that you know say in in the in the nineties and eighties, there were legends and stories of something mysterious attacking animals, but there always have been. Yeah. There's there's there. there that's there's nothing unique about that. That that happens in Europe. That happens in Africa. Happens in Mesoamerica. Everywhere else. But what was unique was that the idea of a chupacabra, the idea of a goat sucking creature, blended with this 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 um, uh, this this movie monster that was actually was designed by H. R. Giger, the the oh, artist who did the nice. movie Alien. Alien, right? Exactly, and the Necronomicon and stuff. And he designed the chupacabra. Uh, the, the creature effects, which then sort of influenced her, uh, her her description. So, long story short, that was the first time that it ever emerged. And so, um, but after my book came out, it was interesting because I, it, I, it's been pretty well received. Most people have agreed that I, I solved the case and I, I pieced it all together, with one exception. And who is that? <laughs> who is that? It's what is that? And the answer is uh, this goes back to your first comment, was which was that you thought it was older. So. I have been uh, gently, well, sometimes politely, sometimes not so politely, uh, told that I, with all due respect, I may be wrong about everything else, but I'm wrong about the Chupacabra in terms of when it first emerged because, they say, (laughs) the capital T, they say, well, I heard about the Chupacabra in the 70s in Texas. Or someone told me, well, you know, I grew up in New Mexico in the 1980s, and I heard the Chupacabra. Well... I grew up in New Mexico in the 80s, and I never heard about the Chupacabra, but whatever. So the point is that there were these people that sort of came out of the woodwork, and they're not, they, weren't, they weren't like dogging me. They were sincerely saying, like, I remember hearing about the Chupacabra mm-hmm. before 1995. And my answer to them is always the same. It was lost time, alien, planted. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, that's not, that's, <laughs> this will shock you, but that was not my response. My response is, that's interesting. Do you have any evidence? Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, well, what do you want? My answer is, well, here's what I would take as evidence that, that the Chupacabra existed before 95. Uh, that I would need a published, uh, a, a published reference to a Chupacabra anywhere. Uh, it could be in a magazine, a book. It could be in a folklore blog, uh, anywhere. Because I, I, I can't just take your word for it. They're like, oh, my grandpa told me. I don't care about your grandpa. I'm sure yeah. he's nice. Uh, he's doddering old guy in the corner. Yeah, that's not evidence. Yeah, yeah. He 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 he's watching Bonanza. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, so so you know, my answer is always that's interesting. I, you might be right, and and most recently, I've and offered. And if you a, are right, I'll gladly update. Oh, not my information. Right? And, no, no. I, I've actually offered a reward. I've offered a thousand dollars. So I've had I've had uh, about four or five people over the past few years uh, who've who've contacted me saying, you know, Mr. Radford, I liked your book, but I, you know, I think you're wrong because I remember Chupacabra, you know, this and that. And my answer is always, that's cool. That's interesting. You might be right. I'll give you a thousand dollars, and I will update my book, and I will thank you. Please give me some evidence. Uh, and it has to be again. It has to be something. T- I, I I I can't just. It can't be your memory. Well, see, it can't now be you're just thinking said. like a fucking scientist, and see, that's not fair to the uh, 
uh, postmodern clearly uh, interpretations of reality. But that's my truth, man. That's my truth. <laughs> Don't be messing with my truth. It's still real to me. Exactly. Well, you'd you'd mentioned that somebody had written something about chupacabra that there was a, a story of a, a yeah, so, shepherd or a goat herd or something so he, here's the thing so it, it's interesting so um so so in in the process of trying to okay keep in mind that the chupacabra only it only dates back to 95 the 1995 film species uh there is there is nothing before that like Literally nothing that I found. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please correct me with a- actual evidence. What if I showed you an Ica stone with <laughs> that's a that's all I need. No, it. no, and, and but no. This goes back to what we were talking about before. Like uh, I'm being totally sincere. Like if if someone can show me I'm wrong, I will thank you. I will give you money. I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm not going to dismiss you. I will I will embrace you and and thank you for correcting what I what I said. Yeah, sincerely. Like. So it's just this, it's this, it's, it's a difference between somebody who is so, so invested in what they, like, well, it's like, you know, don't, don't confuse me with the facts. You know, don't give me evidence contrary. Like, no, 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 please give me evidence that, that shows me I'm wrong. I, I want to be right. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to be right. Exactly. And if you're right and I'm wrong, then I will learn from you and I will thank you and I'll correct myself and I'll move forward. Uh, so anyway, so you know, you know, one of the problems here uh, with with the with the with the, uh, a a uh, an origin date of 1995 is if you believe in chupacabra, as, as many people do, certainly throughout Latin America and also in Puerto Rico, then the question is, well, hold on, where was it before 95? Yeah, I mean, I mean, did it just spring into existence? Exactly. Via Von Daniken's alien <laughs> exactly. motherships? Duh, right? So, th- but, th- but seriously, this is the problem. If, if, if you believe that Chupacabra is real, uh, and I know I'm sometimes chilling my eyes, sometimes not. I can't help it. because I do the same thing. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm, I'm glad I'm not getting shit for that. Um, then then you, have to, you have to reconcile the fact that, that there are no pre-1995 sightings. So what has happened is that people have invented pseudo-histories of the chupacabra. And as a person that, that, uh, that debunks pseudo-histories yourself, you will appreciate this. So um, I, I wrote an article for Skeptical Inquirer magazine um, back in uh, 2016, uh, and I sort of examined some of, the, some of the ways that people have invented, literally invented, history for the chupacabra under the guise of, you know, hey, this is a story, this is, this is real history. So there's there's one uh, there was one uh, a book uh, titled uh, Enchanted Legends and Lore of, of New Mexico by uh, John Ray de Aragon. I thought it was Ray John the de Aragon. Ray John, sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, Ray John de Aragon. Uh, actually, yeah. there's no accident. Anyway, the, we know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and and so I'm reading his book, and I I actually met him. Uh, we were both doing a book signing at a local bookstore um, in, in Old Town, uh, Treasure Chest Books, uh, Treasure House, and. Um, uh, met him and he is nice enough guy, kind of. And I'm not a fan. Well, I, anyway, <laughs> I'll just I'll just leave that there. But so I I, I got one of his books, uh, and there was a section on the chupacabra. I'm like, and he didn't know that I had written a book on the chupacabra. Ah, so so I'm like, tricky. I'm like, I'll be interested in reading your chapter on the chupacabra. He's like, okay. <laughs> And the and the, the bookstore owner who knew that I had written Chuck and Chicago was like, 
<laughs> so anyway, so I, I go back home. I, I, I took his book. And in that book, he has a, a story titled the, she- the Sheep Herder and the Chupacabra. And I'm reading this, the, the, his, his book there. And he tells the story of, of a curandera um, who had, uh, who had uh, this is you know, centuries ago, who had basically um, seen a chupacabra and she had a sacred heart of Jesus uh, with her and she was basically casting it out saying, you know, <laughs> protecting from the chupacabra. Hold on. Can everybody at home hear my eyes run? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there you go, right? So, so it's, the, it's this, you know. So, if you're reading this, you don't know any better. And, and, and to be clear, he presents this as like, like a true New Mexico history, yeah, like, undisputed. Yeah, yeah. This is this oral is just, tradition or something. Yeah. that was passed down. And, yeah, and and he's and so I'm like, well, oh, that's interesting. L- let me look at the references. Can you dub in some cricket sounds? Because <laughs> so I'm like I'm like. Were there there were no citations? Oh no 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 <laughs> references no citations at all. I'm like okay because that's kind of sad because as a researcher as somebody who knows some that chupacabra, I would like to follow up on this. Uh, anyway, so it, as it turns out, anyway, I'm reading this and it's clearly a, a Catholic legend. I mean it's. Crystal clear. It's you know, woman sees some demonic thing. Uh, Cast it out G- to the power of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, this is this is cla- I mean, there's there's and there's there's just no record of it's it's just it's it's again it's presented as a New Mexican legend and well I don't know how to put this slightly he's lying. Yeah, it's not. It, yeah. it, it is not. Now, now I could be wrong. And if, uh, if, if he wants to give me the citations, references, I'll be happy to retract and, 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 and fix this. But, but to the best of my knowledge, and I've done a lot of research on this, he, he made this up. Well, he's also one of these cats that, that pushes the whole, you know, New Mexicans or Spanish bullshit. He pushes, like, the whole narrative that, well, in northern New Mexico, they speak an ancient form of Castilian. Like, that bullshit, which has right. been thoroughly debunked by linguists. Uh, the, the whole idea that, you know, anything bad said about the Spaniards uh, is part of the black legend. Yeah. You know, so I call these guys, like, the modern Holocaust deniers, basically. Because they deny the, this genocide that happened here. And I'm getting off track, but I really don't like this guy is what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he just straight up lied in this fucking book of his does not surprise me in the least. But to pick something like this to lie about, like, how does he even associate it with the chupacabra? What, did they use that word specifically or explicitly? Well, th- th- that's a good question. I actually have a, I have a quote right here. I'll, I'll, it says, uh, uh, it says um, the Dona Sarafina, the old Corondera, uh, kept finding dead cattle, dead chickens, dead sheep, etc., and she says, since whatever it was, mostly attacked goats, she said, a goat sucker, the people call the mysterious animal chupacabra. Okay, so then there should it's be a so, record of that. Oh, yeah. So, so, I mean, this is a direct quote from what he said. So, absolutely, there should be, there should be many, I mean, yeah. So, according to him... Um, and the, people started calling it. The, the, so, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> somebody must have written this down. Surely something of this magnitude would have warranted a newspaper story or mention in somebody's memoir or Absolute, something. Somewhere, yeah. And so, you know, if it is indeed a legend of New Mexico, as he calls which it. Which I've never heard. Uh, way, which I've I never heard. It's one fabricated by him in 2012 for his book. Um, with no truth or historical provenance, that's basically a, a brand new story being recycled and passed off as as an actual legend. And as a as a folklorist, 
Um, that pisses me off. I, I bet. I'm not a professional folklorist, off. but I, I, I do folklore, and I, I'm a member of the American Folklore Society, and I've, I've spent a lot of time re- researching folklore. And you don't do that. If you, you, folklorists, like actual folklorists, are very careful not to inject their own stories and basically they're, they're contaminating, they're poisoning the well, they're contaminating the, 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 the narratives. I mean, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't create new stories and legends and call them, call them actual authentic legends. I mean, this is, this is one thing that frustrates me about this particular... I'm not trying to just bag on this guy, but that's what I find frustrating is that actual folklorists are very careful. They're very careful to cite their references. You, you quote people directly. Uh, and they, they, because you, you, you want to make sure you, you keep, you retain their voice and their inflections. I mean, it's, there's a whole process that he's seemingly unaware of, uh, when he just sort of like, oh, here's a story I made up and, oh, it's a New Mexico legend. Well, you have to assume that people that are interested are going to be like, well, where did this come from? I mean, whenever somebody brings anything to me that sounds a little fishy, or even if it doesn't sound fishy, I'm always like, oh, that's, that's really cool. What are your sources? You know, do you have any citations for that? Right. Do you have stuff that I can look at right. with my own eyes instead of taking your word for it? Because even though I might like you as a person, I don't know where you're getting this information from. Right. And there's some people who uh, think that way, right? And then there's other people that are like, well, whatever. Yeah. Right, it's it, whatever goes. Well, no, but he, here's my here's my concern. Here, it's like uh, again, I, I don't really care if you want to if you want to if you want to do this if you want to tell stories. That's great. I love stories. You love stories. Nothing wrong with stories, but don't pass them off as as fact. Don't pass them off as authentic legends, uh, because what's going to happen? I guarantee you, is that. At some point next year or five years from now, someone is going to quote this guy. Yeah, someone's going to reference this fucking book. Yeah, and they're going to say, "Well, Radford's wrong because you know because this guy, uh, this guy uh, Ray John de Aragon, in his book Enchanted Legends, he says X, and Radford doesn't know what he's talking about." Like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, and I, if you're not willing to take the time yourself to look into it, because most people. Shit, man, what I'm finding is most people don't even read beyond the headlines anymore. That's this Facebook sharing culture that we've built where they'll read the headline and then comment on it yeah. or share it without reading the article. And a lot of times uh, the, the shit that they're sharing or the stuff that they're saying about the article, you could tell they haven't read it because they're contradicting what's in the yeah. article just to, pro- to promote their own personal narratives. I don't know if you're aware of... This new, I, I don't know how new it is, but there's like a new conspiracy. Okay, one, I, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories. I want people, I want skeptics across the board to stop calling them conspiracy theories. I call them conspiracy fetishes <laughs> and conspiracy like fetishist because one, it's a misuse of the word theory, which I hate as a scientist. It yeah. just gets on my nerves. And it, and it grants it this level of legitimacy by saying, well, it's a theory, you right. know? It's a conspiracy theory. No, these people fetishize right. conspiracies. It's not a theory in any it's sense It's not of the a word. theory. It's, they're not even hypotheses. <laughs> like, they don't even mark, reach that level. Right. But there's a new level of conspiracy fetishism going around amongst uh, Afrocentrists. And it blows my mind because the conspiracy is that the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade, never happened. And this is hold on, hold on. Hold, let me let me think about that for a second. So, 
how how does how does one even <laughs> I don't know. But but it, it was birthed from this idea of it, it, these it never... uh, black identity cults in the South that and, and the East Coast that claim that African Americans are actually Native Americans, that the Olmecs were black, that all African American descent people are actually Native Americans and that the slave trade idea, the myth of the slave trade was invented to hide this historical fact. Wow. And that wow. what we a... call Native Americans who, you know, came uh, Bringian, yeah, you know, hypotheses, they came down. Sure. Uh, that those people, and I include myself amongst those people, were latecomers who encountered the African-American actual, they call themselves aboriginals. Um, Aboriginal Americans? Yes. And they uh, they call us uh, mongoloid pink Indians and <laughs> wannabe Indians. Yeah, it's this crazy, this is bizarre, man. Bizarre I've never heard this. Fetish. And it's born out of like uh, Noble Drew Ali and, and all these, you know, black identity movements, 1930s, 1940s, sure. 1950s, where these guys started claiming that, uh, you know, well, that the actual black man is is the Native American. And so they lay claim to, like, the mound builders of Cahokia. They lay claim to the Mayan civilizations. They lay claim to uh, – and, and it's funny because it even goes back to that guy, Domingo Martinez Paredes, that I was bringing up, where he claims that the Mayans went out and spread civilization all over the world. They claim that African Americans or the Aboriginal Americans, right. they call themselves. Right, because they wouldn't be African. Yeah, because they wouldn't be African Americans. <laughs> are the ones that spread civilization all over the Is world. Is anybody buying this shit? Unfortunately, yes. And I'm seeing a lot of it online. And it's crazy because I get hate mail. I get hate messages. I've been saving them. I've been taking screenshots of all these messages, just really ugly, gross things. And I'm just going to compile them. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. You should read them, man. Just, that's, <laughs> just, just read them just, all just, over the yeah, air. Yeah, do do it. Just like you just like you take a grab bag. You just like <laughs> all right. And this is from uh, this is from this guy. Okay, Mister Mister Pinkle Mongoloid Boy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what they say. And um, wow, it's it's wild because to hear this this subset of the African American community coming out and saying no, the slave. The transatlantic transatlantic slave trade is a myth. Is just mind blowing. I don't know how this was birthed or or why they're propagating this. Who's benefiting from it? In what way? But you should look into it. Um, if it's not, just, it's so like like it's not it's not even wrong. I mean, it's just yeah, it's, it's so it's, it's so bad. It's not even worth. But. I've been thinking about writing about it, so maybe I'll, right. I'll, yeah. I'll kick you, that to dude, you Dude, you have, you have expertise and knowledge and writing skills that, uh, that uh, need to be put to better use. Oh, thank you. Other than the university. Wow. <laughs> I've been to the university, man. <laughs> well, man, uh, it's been great having you. A good conversation. I'm glad to, that you made it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. I was. Uh, it was. Uh, this is. Are a, there any? Uh, you have. A, you have a podcast, right? I got a podcast. Uh, yeah, sure. I do a podcast called Squaring the Strange, uh, and we've been doing it for I don't know about uh, nine months now. So I, I have a co-host, Pascual Romero, 
Uh, he's from Santa Fe. We do a weekly show on any number of weird things and uh, skeptical, critical thinking on everything from lake monsters to social media issues. Uh, I got a book coming out in a couple months called Investigating Ghosts, which is my 11th book, I think. Uh, it's sort of a compilation of... of um, well, basically, ghost investigations. You know, I, I did a book in 2010 called Scientific Paranormal Investigation, which sort of covered how to, basically, how to investigate X. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. psychics or Bigfoot or whatever else. And I touch on ghosts, but but really, ghost hunting is such a it, it's such its own category. There's so many different interesting angles to it: ghost photos, EVP, you know, voices, that sort of thing. That I realized that it really needed its own treatment, and so. Um, it's it's uh, as far as I know, it's the it's the very first book to sort of take a a good critical skeptical look at the history of ghost hunting and how to do nice. it right and bring science to it. So I'm doing that, um, and uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh, doing stuff and uh, keeping busy and um, you know the usual. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you, everybody out there listening. If you could be so kind and. Uh if you go to our website, The Hardcore Archaeologist, you could click on our Patreon button and kick us a few bucks. Do that it. Much appreciated. You could also find our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, in addition to thehardcorearchaeologist.com. So this has been Curly Tlapoyawa here with Benjamin Radford. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks a lot. Bye. Christianity is stupid. Christianity is stupid. Christianity is stupid.